Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Becoming a magician takes thousands of hours, right, Ashley? Oh, I'm not a magician. I'm a design specialist at the Container Store. But you transform closets and pantries. Well, I turn your most frustrating spaces into ones you love. With a magic wand? Uh, with Alpha, our customizable, adjustable, and affordable shelving and drawer system. The amazing Ashley, making daily frustration disappear. <laughs> Just doing my job. Transform your space with Alpha and save 20% on purchases over $500. Get started with your free design at the Container Store today. Welcome to Fly on the Wall podcast, presented by Not Your Mother's Radio. Today's guest is Johnny Eccles. Johnny was born in Memphis. He moved with his family to Los Angeles in the late 1950s, and re-established a childhood friendship with Arthur Lee, who had also moved to the city from Memphis. Eccles began playing guitar as a child, and in his teens played in bands with Billy Preston, Marilyn McCoo, Clarence McDonald, and others. Eccles and Lee both attended Dorsey High School and decided to form a band. The band became Arthur Lee and the L. A. G. S. before splitting up. Lee and Eccles then formed the American Four, later renamed the Grassroots, and finally renamed Love in 1965. The rest as they say is history. We are listener-funded and if you would be kind enough to assist our PayPal info is... Not your mother's radio at gmail.com. That's not your mother's radio at gmail.com. Any contributions would be appreciated and will of course help us keep the show running. Ronnie, how are you how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay, so um let's um you know what? Everybody knows the history of love and all that stuff. I mean I'll we'll we'll talk about it a little uh a little more in detail, but let's hear about you now. What 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 are you doing now? What are your plans now that we're we're almost we're at a semi-normal again? Okay, we're in the middle of getting together to do a, a European UK tour starting in June of 2022. So it requires a lot of pre-planning and all of that, and that's what we're doing right now. It'll be a six-week tour, and uh, so far we have. I 
think, 20 dates, and we're still adding others. And so um, that's where I'm at right now. And I'm also working on a book called Just Another Day in the Life. And it speaks to uh, my experiences with love, but also before with Little Richard and, and uh, Jimi Hendrix and the doors and people like that. So, so I've got a full plate. Yeah, you do. Now, um, you were on the electrical label with the doors. Correct. And um, I've, I've had a couple of conversations with Robbie. Um, and uh, I know the doors are a big fan of loves. Yeah, we were fans of theirs. As a matter yeah, of fact, yeah. we got them in their recording contract. So. That's great. And um, yeah, and um, 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 Holtzman, obviously, the man who um, ran the label, is a big, big uh, a fan of loves. I know he. Um, you know, first of all, Love was a great band. So you guys are going on tour, and um, the guys in the band, are they the um, uh, uh, Baby Lemonade still? Yes, okay. yes. They've been playing with us in some form since 1992, so of course they've been with the group longer than any um, incarnation of Love. Yeah. And they know this music absolutely better than anybody. I mean, when we play live, it just sometimes I have to to stop and listen because they sound so good. Really? Mm -hmm. And um, um, your European tour, I'm assuming you're going to hit uh, the UK? Correct. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and just... Ireland and Scotland and so the, the whole of the UK. Um, Great. We're working on Wales as well. Okay. And you, um, I mean, Love was probably bigger in the UK than you are here, right? Correct, yes. Yeah, you guys were... Um, um, gods in the uk now i'm i'm you know i'm older than a lot of um our listeners so i remember love i was young but i remember when um you were responsible for uh i think you did three or four co-writing credits on the first album right correct that's okay. how we're credited but actually you know how music is written um Someone will come in with an idea and say, yeah. uh, you know, and then everybody puts their input forward. But, sure. but um, one of the greatest tunes on the album, Can't Explain, uh, um, was uh, partially yours, Mushroom Clouds, and, sure. um, and, and the classic and more. Yes, and also Emotions, which was uh -huh. called Lonely Guitar before. Right, but. right, and Emotions. So, um, Love was a tough band to be in, right? It wasn't an easy gig. No, it wasn't because we had so many talent. Brian and Arthur were both, I consider Brian more so, but Arthur and, and Brian were geniuses, uh -huh. real, and they were both bipolar, right. so clinically bipolar. So it was tough dealing with them because the mood swings were just astonishing. We'd go yeah. from one moment laughing and talking and having a good time to this darkness. And world's going to end in five yeah. minutes you know that kind of thing yeah i know my my mother was bipolar yeah so then and you know you, you, you never know which person you're coming in to see that day that's correct and 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 it was really um, i know as a kid it was tough because um you know if, if you knew you had a rotten parent you knew she was always rotten but sometimes she it was like an angel waiting for you so you, never, so you, you never knew you never knew what was going on but I think, no. mo I, I think most um, uh, geniuses have some type of an issue with something. It, it That's just, correct, yeah. So, um, yeah, but uh, besides that, you guys were like the bad boys of rock. Uh, yeah, I guess so. We, we had our share of, uh, I guess, indiscretions. Yeah, I'll put yeah. it that way. But yeah, okay. we were kids. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, no, yeah, I know, I know, I know. We're not going to get into any of that stuff because all that's been, um, all that stuff's been spoken about and written about, and um, you know, it, it's out there. So, let, let, growing up with um, Arthur, you guys knew each other in Memphis, correct? And then you both wound up on the West Coast, and um, you were you were in the uh, LAG band, correct? That was the Los Angeles group. It was yep. our version of. Booker T and the MGs. Yep. So yep, yep, yep. It was uh, instrumental. And from there, you guys went on to a fish, you know, to eventually, you know, put together the grassroots band, which mm -hmm. obviously there was another grassroots band and uh, the whole bit, which led to you and Arthur uh, putting together Love. Correct. Now, um, 
Love was a pretty interesting band because it was, um, you know, when you didn't see too much of it in rock bands, it, it was, first of all, it was led by, um, by a, a black front man. Mm-hmm. And um, just the black and white thing back then wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, uh, it was a unique presence. Yes, it was. And, and you the guys... thing was, yeah. we wanted to reflect the reality in which we lived, which was a biracial, diverse group of people, you know, our families and friends. So we wanted our group to reflect that. Right. And it wasn't easy because I, you know, love would have been a lot, lot bigger in this country had we been able to play in places in the South, which we couldn't play in many places in middle America as well. So Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, California, uh, up in the Oakland, San Francisco area, the interracial thing was a little more um, uh, prevalent. You know, you had, yeah. San, you had Santana. You know, you had war, you had, you know, uh, Tower of Power, you had all that stuff. So, but in LA, it was definitely um, unique. Yeah, and, I think that's what kind of sparked the interest in us is because of the fact that we were a mixed race group and the kids that came to see us, we were kind of safe, dangerous. It's, you know, we were like them, but we were also black, but we spoke like they did and yep. we dressed like they did. So okay. they, they came to see that, wow, there's not really a hell of a lot of difference other than melanin. No, no, and you guys sounded more like a, a Caucasian type band than, than a, 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 an interracial band. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you played straight ahead rock and roll, which later developed into, for lack of a better term, a, a neoclassical, you know, uh, with a, um, Alone Again uh, and, um, uh, you know, you set the scene were more of a, you know, had more of a, a classical feel, maybe pre-prog, you know, for just if you, if you had to kind of put it into a, on a shelf. So um, you guys were definitely unique and, and you were a great band and um, you had um, um, the three main people in the band were, were you, Arthur, and Brian. And, you had, and you had three um, very, very talented guys and um, just I, was there a big ego thing? Was it was there a uh, clash of egos? Yes, there was between Brian and Arthur. Between myself, I was kind of in the middle, trying to keep these two, as I mentioned before, about yeah. their, their situations and trying to to kind of ameliorate situations. And and Brian wanted more of his music on this, and so it was a constant battle to get more of his songs on the albums. And it uh, was kind of difficult at times because of the fact that you have really two supremely talented individuals and they are very headstrong and trying to put this together and, and uh, you know, a functioning business, which a group is, people don't sometimes realize it's fun playing music and you're doing what you love, but it's a business. And if you don't handle your business, you won't be playing long because that was our only means of support is playing music. So. Yeah. We had to, and also being biracial and, and diverse as we were, as I mentioned before, there were so many places in this country that we couldn't play. So we were basically relegated to a, a West Coast thing and an East Coast thing and the rest of the country in between, except for that one time we played the Texas Convention Center, Dallas Convention Center, rather, and we played a, a pop festival in Miami. And that was it for the South, nowhere else. Yeah, because um, I don't think anybody knew that um, there were, um, it wasn't an old Caucasian band. It didn't sound like it. And it really wasn't, um, you know, FM radio at the time ever discussed it. You know, here, here's love, boom. And, you know, they would play, you know, a love tune. And um, I think people were kind of surprised when they found out that it was biracial. Yes, it was surprising to them and the promoters because many yeah. times the promoters didn't know. And then we would got we got to uh, Georgia once, and we get off the plane, and they had sent the limo to pick us up. And the guys, uh -huh. guys, uh, yeah, we're like, they take us over, and we meet the promoter, and all of a sudden there was a problem, and the gig was canceled because he really? got, he saw it through me. Yeah, so we had to, you know, it was uh, he did, of course, have the decency to uh, pay for our plane trips back home. So it wasn't like we were out of money, but 
right. that kind of thing happened often with us because either it, we would get there and they'd cancel the gig or they'd find out prior to our arrival and, and the gig was canceled. Because, you know, you look at it this way. This was the time of turmoil. We were having civil rights struggles, sure. the um, war in Vietnam, and you're having people voting rights, people trying to vote and having dogs and fire hoses put upon them. So, you know, with that as a backdrop, you know, you have to think, well, it's it's not so surprising that a bunch of interracial race mixing California hippies would not necessarily be welcome in that environment, you know, from yeah, the South. Yeah, so, yeah, a lot, lot, lot of crackers down there at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's not much different now, though. No, actually, it's probably getting worse because now with uh, a certain individual, he has made it okay to have biases and to actually speak to those biases, whereas before you kind of hid them. And now it's out in the open. People say exactly what they think and tell yeah. who they are. So. And, and it's scary. You know, I'm, 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 I happen to be Jewish. And um, so um, it's not as... Um, Obviously, people know if you're African American, if you're black, you know, uh, you know, six feet away. When I think when they find out that I'm Jewish, they kind of feel like I was holding out on them and didn't tell them on purpose. That kind of that kind of thing, you know. So, um, you know, it, it's an awful time to be um, involved in this, especially us older guys, us older hippie type guys, um, fought for this in the '60s. And we thought we had that under control, and yeah. and in a matter of days, it was taken away. Yeah, it's, and it's more and more so. And we may, if we don't find some way to figure it out, especially as far as voting is concerned, we may just be in a one-party kind of almost fascist type of situation. Well, uh, when you say fascist, I don't like throwing well, those words. Well, 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 I th I think we're in the middle of a civil war. And, yeah, uh, that's definitely. And yeah. nobody and nobody's calling it a civil war yet, but we're there. Yeah, we're there. And, and the uh, other side has been arming themselves for years, and they're ready to go. They have these militias. Yes. You know, so Plus, um, you know, the police are on their side. The military is on their side, yeah. and um, uh, we're, we're we're pretty much screwed. But yeah. um, that's the way I feel, and so I'm happy that I'm older now, so I don't have to. Live yeah, a long time to deal with this. Uh, yeah, I am too. But you know, I'm, I'm, my grandkids live with me. I have two young grandkids living with me, and I feel bad for them. Yeah, because um, they're going to have to see the uh, real, you know, the the real product of what's being produced now, and that's mm -hmm. pretty scary. Um, so let's get back to fun stuff. Are you doing any new music? Any new stuff coming up? Yeah, I'm work also besides working on the book. I'm also working on an album of material that we had started back in the day. And, and then it took, um, Arthur got married and having to deal with his estate and people that had really nothing whatsoever to do with that group. Now right. they've insinuated themselves into my business. So uh, it's trying to get the clearances and, and all of that for our own music is sometimes difficult, but working no. it out. Um, uh, Forever Changes, they would talk about that being a double album. Correct. And you had lost a lot of um, uh, um, a lot of your tunes were supposed to be included in the album that that weren't correct, and, and Brian's as well. Yeah, and Brian's as well. And there was supposed to be a companion album, and um, that never surfaced. Is there any chance of that ever seeing the light? Yeah, that's what I was speaking to. The, that's the one you were talking about. Project. Yes. Yeah, so okay. Great. Yeah those songs together so you know. and, and um same title on that or is it being changed it's or? called Gethsemane oh okay oh okay yeah, so that was um our you know there was somewhat so much turmoil and stuff happening around the recreation and, and the recording of, of uh, forever changes that we thought Gethsemane would be a proper title it was one of the most monumental betrayals and and, and and the talk is that that um Missing album is um, phenomenal. Just incredible yes, it music is. on it. Yes, it is. And if I can ever release it and get everybody together on the same page, it, it will be surprising because it pushes, it takes off from where Forever Changes left off. Uh -huh. And we did one of the songs called uh, Your Mind and We Belong Together. That was one of the songs that would have been on, on the Get Simon Project. 
And um, so you get to hear where we were going and that okay. we were going to kind of a jazz, blues, rock fusion is kind of what we're doing with a little cool. bit of kind of classical things going uh -huh. on. And I heard it was a little funkier than um Yes, so. yes. So uh, it was really, a, it's a very, very good sounding, very, very, uh, um, actually it seems more appropriate now because it, it kind of speaks to the time in which we're living right now, more okay. so than wherever change it did. So it's almost a prescient album, you know, it's uh -huh. kind of, we saw what was happening and where it was going and we've actually gotten there. Cool. So yeah, and, and I'm a believer that things happen uh, for a reason, that things, you know, uh, come to fruition when they're supposed to, you know? Correct. That's, I believe, the exact same thing. Okay. And this is so neat of traveling and playing music now, because back in the day when we would like, we'd go to, to, uh, to Europe or play in places, we would likely stay in the hotel. You know, we would play the gig, go back to the hotel, and then right. go to the plane. And now with my wife and I, we get to enjoy the scenery, we get to be tourists, we get to meet the people that buy our records and, you know, and it's so much fun. You know? And then meeting the grandchildren of the people that bought our records back in the day, it's really, it's, a, it's priceless. I love it so much. It's and these great. young people are really into this music, which is, is amazing, but they know the songs and they sing along when we're playing on stage, they will sing and, the amount of words with us. That's just it's beautiful. Well, I'm glad. I, I, I'm very. I'm, I'm really happy that you're happy because um, I think of anybody who should have who should keep the legacy of love going. It, it should be you because um, you were the. You always look like the middleman, the guy who um, was in the middle of two forces, and you were kind of like the glue that kept it together. You know. Yeah. And, and that was always the impression I had. And um, I don't know, it, it just the persona that, that the band had, that, that it, was, it was always ready to implode. And it was, it was a struggle to keep it above water. And, and that was the magic of it, because there was always this, you just never knew what was going to happen. So it, yeah, it yeah. gave us that special appeal. And um, you were lucky enough to find a baby lemonade. Correct, yeah. And uh, you know, some I, I have a couple of their um, albums, uh, you know, the stuff that they did. Pretty interesting stuff. But um, I remember it must have been prior. Well, it was Arthur was still in the band, so it had to be probably early '80s. You guys played New York, mm -hmm. and I remember seeing you guys. And um, I guess it was Baby Lemonade. I, I didn't know at the time, and um, the shows are incredible. They really were. And these uh, gentlemen can play, they're really consummate musicians, but they also understand, you know, so they don't try to pretend to be loved. They, they're people that respect and revere the music of love, and they yeah. give people this, the space to understand that you're hearing music that was created by several other people, but it's created in such a way and done in such a way that you really don't know if you closed your eyes because. Uh, Rusty, this, uh, he does the singing on most of, of the songs, yeah. whereas I'll do the doubling, like on 7 and 7 is, or uh, uh -huh. uh, My Little Red Book, you're hearing both of our voices, so when you hear that, you really don't know you're not listening to the same group from back in the day, but Rusty does a magnificent job of, of recreating that, the yes. vocals that are for them. And um, I think, um, not to take anything away from the love musicians, but you guys had a lot of problems, back then and I think the musicianship live now is probably a little more um, fluent than it was when the actual love band was on the road. First oh, of all, of course. Yeah, equipment's got gotten a hell of a lot better. But um, then also you have to think back then, love, when, when we were doing it, I had just turned 16 when we signed with Electra. So, right. you know, now I'm 70. So you have to look at it. We don't play better now than we did then, yeah. then we shouldn't be playing but, at all. No, 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 but I'm just saying the guys who came in to fill the missing um, um, musicians are all top-notch guys, and they're all, and, and you guys are serious. I mean, you were serious, but again, you were kids back then. So, so now you know, we're full-grown adults. And we're yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of stupid things got in the way and uh, took away from some of the playing. Like, I understand on Forever Changes, um, um, there was a time when studio guys were brought in because um, the band was in trouble and you guys had to get the record out. 
Yeah, the, the reason that I kind of alluded to that before is Brian, we had expected this to be a double album. Get to the studio, things change. And so all of the songs that we worked on all of that time were no longer going to be on this album. They would be on another one. That's what we were told. So Brian was basically, he, he uh, had a minor mutiny. You know, he wouldn't play Arthur's songs the way he normally would. And the little things, that little touches that he added were not there. And so he was kind of pouting. And so they brought in the guys from the Wrecking Crew and they played one song and they realized that this isn't going to work. These guys are consummate musicians, but they don't sound like the group they're supposed to sound like. They don't sound like love at all. Right. And so uh, Electra came in and offered us quite a bit more money and promised that we would do an album later and also promised Brian a solo album. And that was the way they got us back into the studio to finish the project. Okay. But, and, and, and it turned out to be one of the classic rock albums of all time. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, in fact, um, um, I was listening to it the other day. Uh, I knew I could be talking to you today. And um, that album could have been made last week. Mm -hmm. I mean, it sounds so fresh. And, 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 you know, I know it's been remastered and everything else. And with all the bonus stuff, but the original album of Forever Changes is a classic. It's just, uh, it's, it's the sound, it's a time machine. It brings you back to that time and place. Absolutely. The thing that's neat is it's because of the younger generation has, has discovered this music. And we, um, like, this is a couple of years ago before the world went crazy with this virus. We uh -huh. drew close to 100,000 people in Sefton Park. So this is way more than the original club ever hoped to draw. So this yep. incarnation is doing much better than the original group, which yep. is amazing. Plus, plus you're together longer than the original group. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Which, which is, um, you know, kudos there. I mean, that's an incredible feat, you know? It just, um, you know, that, that you uh, pretty much a band continuing this is the um, this lineup's been together the longest of any love lineup. Yes, yes, from '92, so it's a yeah. long time. And um, I so is um, Baby Lemonade and um, you know the new love. So you know, let's call them new love. Are you guys going to be doing anything besides the um, you know the missing Forever Changes album? Yeah, we did a, a, a couple of songs. There are a couple of singles that will be released before we go on the tour on, in uh, the summer of 2022. So yeah, we've been uh, at it and doing music, uh, new music, and that it's not related to the you know, things that we have done in the past. So, Great. And, and it, it's good, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, any, um, um, are you touring with anybody? Anybody could be on the road with you? Any, uh, you know, uh, support act? And normally we travel alone, but we, from time to time, uh, play with the Seeds. Okay. And um, sometimes we play with Robbie and his uh -huh. kid, his son. But yeah. normally we just tour alone and play with some of the local groups. Like in okay. Sefton Park, a lot of the people that claimed influence by love, like Echo and the Bunny Men and people from that genre played with us. So. Uh, but most of the times I mentioned we play it, we, we headline the tour, right. but they bring in supporting acts. Great. And um, so that's going, that's going to be happening in 2022, uh, June. So, um, yes, yeah, so you guys um, have some time before you have to start getting your, uh, your act together, huh? Yeah, we'll be playing. We just played last week in San Diego and the week before that. We did San Francisco and the festival in Big Sur, and then another one in San Luis Obispo. So we're on the oh. road quite a bit. Okay, so you, okay. Oh, that's great. Um, so, are there any acts now that you're listening to that you um, that you personally want to uh, endorse that you could that you could say I, this is a new band and I really really dig them? Yeah, there's a group called Pop Vision. That's a strange name, but. Um, these young people are really, really, really good. And I got to know them personally and, and I listened to them quite a bit. And some of the, yeah, I like jazz. So I listen to some of the, the jazz music and, and uh, find myself kind of going back 
and I loved early miles and I love Bob Dylan, you know, but okay. um, as I mentioned, just the, the, a couple of uh, younger groups that are performing now, I will listen to, but I'm mostly old school. Yeah, so yeah me too, I me too. Um, I listen to a lot of jazz as well, and a lot of my uh, friends and guys I speak to are, um, you know, um, older jazz guys. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty friendly with the old moments of adventure. Yeah, uh, Frank was my neighbor back in the day, so we Who lived was? right yeah, on Lookout Mountain, and huh. uh, he was just a couple doors down from me, so oh, cool. I knew Frank well. Yeah, yeah, I speak to Bunk and uh, Don a lot, Bunk Gardner, Don Preston, yeah. and uh, Ian Underwood, who pretty much were the... Um, you know, from the original band, I, I speak to them often, and um, I know you guys did something. Love was involved with them somehow, right? Well, we were, we had the same management, um, Herb Cole. Yeah, Herb, yeah, yeah. And um, we did some playing with them when we were playing at the Whiskey, and, and that's, but, you know, as I said, we were neighbors, and so we hung out together, and uh -huh. yeah, so it's, uh, I love French music, and, yeah, and, and you got I did with the Ike Willis. We did. Uh, he was on one of the tours we did uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm friendly with Ike as well. Um, so you guys were involved in the whole Laurel Canyon scene, right? Correct. Yeah, well, they've done a bunch of documentaries lately. Yeah, we were on one, Legends of the Canyon, and another one. What, 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 what can you tell me about Laurel Canyon that um, was it is it really as was it really as um i mean a lot of art a lot of talent came from there but that that whole military thing was that real was that imagined i think a lot of that was because like david crosby was a good friend and his father was in, in the military as was jim morrison and yeah. his father was somewhere in the muckety bucks in the navy but other than that knowing people that whose parents were involved we were not uh, involved in anything militarily at all because we were doing our best not to be drafted into that war. So, um, but the people in Laurel Canyon, for some reason, there's just one space and time. Um, all of these musicians live within, you know, a couple of doors of each other. Like I said, the doors live there um, down the street from me and Frank Zappa and the people in the Turtles and the Iron Butterfly. The Buffalo Springfield, we all live right here within just a couple of blocks of each other. Now, there was a reason for that. It was because it, a musician could actually support himself on the salary of a working musician back there because you could find a place in Laurel Canyon for $80, $90 a month, a nice house. And you know, that same house is going for like several thousand a month now. But for that one, it's the, I don't know why all of a sudden it was just the, I, they call it white flight, I think. And they were moving out of that area and moving to the suburbs. And so those houses in Laurel Canyon were vacant and were available very, very cheap. Yeah, because I know so, the whole thing is everybody's talking about um, um, Mama Katz's family came from the service mm -hmm. and Frank Zappa's father was in um, um chemical something with the service and um, yeah. Graham Parsons, everybody's father or somebody um, was involved with either uh, political or military. Mm -hmm. And yeah, um, I've heard about those, but as I say, we never really, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. David never, I didn't even know about David's dad or Jim's dad until uh, Jim had died and I found out his father yeah. had been in the military. So it wasn't um, like something that was on everyone's mind. Well, here, here's one for you too. Uh, you know, I used to work with Flo and Eddie, the Turtles. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, when they left, when they left the Mothers, and you know, um, Howard Kalen. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's Breakfast Biscuits. 
so don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Yeah. Howard's cousin is Herb Cohen. That I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. His second cousin or something. And yeah, um, yeah they were related. That's how Howard got out of the service. Uh, you know, we got out by doing the same thing everybody did, just staying up late for like three or four or staying all yeah. night and going down to the place a mess yep. and not following directions, which, yep. you know, and so they yeah. sent yeah. us home. <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, Herb supposedly um, uh, guided him through that whole process, mm-hmm. you know, get, take a lot of drugs before you go, the whole bit, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, Herb had been in the military. That was one of our bones of contention with him. Because he uh, thought, you know, the war was perfectly fine. And, and, you know, no, so no, 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 no. I understand Herb was selling um, uh, military weapons. Yeah, I think at some point he did do that. Yeah. So yeah. He, had a, yeah <laughs> so, he was an interesting character. But how he got involved with us is, is just weird. Because he was just there one day and asked uh, if he could introduce us to a friend of his who owned the record company. And that was Jack Holtzman. And Jack came down from New York and heard us and uh, gave us his pitch. And he was the only, we we had been offered deals with several record companies, MCA and Capital in particular, but they would not allow us to own the publishing. We had established our own publishing company and we wanted to own our music. And that was from Little Richard. He always says, John, you better own your own music. Don't let them take your music from you. And so that's, that was something that we took to heart and we made certain, and we still do own the publishing to our songs, which Great. has allowed us to live a very good life. Good. And then because you know, Alone Again and 77 is those songs have been covered literally countless times. And yeah. been done in movies and commercials. So yeah. um, <laughs> that advice yeah. from Little Richard was prescient. Well, you set the theme? Yeah. Uh, these are these. This is stuff that just um, God. I can't think of. I can't think of that whole time period without loves those three love tunes that we just discussed. And um, uh, hey Joe, you guys did a great version of that. I know that was Brian's from from his bird days. Correct. And um, my little red book, the Bert Bacharach tune. Um, you guys just were incredible. What an incredible band. And, and I'm assuming you do all that stuff on the road now. Oh, yeah. We do them all. Except for Hey Joe, we don't do that that huh? much. But right. we do all just about all the other songs. Wow. Um, are you going to be touring the States outside of uh, California? Yeah, we will uh, be probably doing some warm-up shows before. We've been asked to come to uh, all places to North Carolina. There's some festival happening there. And May, so we're thinking of doing that if we can work it out before you know it's kind of uh, uh, getting a warm up, you know, before we go on on tour of Europe and the UK. So, but as we play often, just about every week or every other week, we're playing somewhere in this area. It's it's easier for us to get around, especially now that the COVID things are lifting. So we go and play here in Portland. I have friends who live in Norway who have uh, jazz bands, actually, and um, they were touring for the last two, three months, and they said that they see it, they see problems in the future, that um, they see it coming back and people are starting to get wary again, and more and more people are getting sick, and it's scary, you know, when is this thing going to go away and leave us alone? Yeah, the thing is, most of the gigs that we have, and we're playing again in a couple of weeks, here at the federal in Burbank. Uh-huh. And they have, before they, um, when they get the tickets, they have to show a um, legitimate vaccine card. Uh-huh. And they have to have had at least one shot and preferably two, or they don't get in the door. And uh, we played in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago and they blocked off the street because we had so many pre-sales that there, the, it was called the chapel. This, this used to be a, a church. Sure. And um, there were so many people that wanted to come out that they got permission to block the street off. And so they had tables and waiters and, and people out in the middle of the street. So yeah. that was really cool. You know, well, to, now, so. um, 
listening to new music now, uh, the stuff that's out, that's popular now, do you think a band like Love would have um, been able to get a, re a deal, get a recording contract? And I think so, because we were eclectic, and so we could go from jazz to blues to rock to classical. So there was, we would find some little niche that would allow us to be heard. But uh, it would be difficult, but, you know, and we were uh, consummate musicians after a point. So I think we would have figured out a way to, to be relevant. I mean, we were so lucky to be, to be involved and to have been able to listen to the music back in the day. Um, I mean, there's guys out there now that you know, uh, probably most of Herb uh, uh, Cohen's catalog would never be able to work now, you know? Yeah. Between Tom Waits and, you know, those, you know, uh, I just can't see him, you know, I mean, I love Tom and I think he's incredible, but I can't see the, um, you know, people, I don't know if people in today's day would have seen any type of commercial and everything's, you know, the commercial end of it now, that nothing has to do with art anymore. Yeah. And that's really sad because um, I think so much of the great, great artists are being overlooked because they can't dance or they, you know, or they don't look perfect behind a camera. And um, that's not music, you know? No, it's not. But, you know, I don't know if we necessarily would have been out of time. You know, I think we would have found a place, you know, that, that's hopefully we would have. But yeah. then, you know, it's kind of hard to say what would have been, but um, because we would have still been playing music. That was our life. So, yeah. I'm, but, but you guys had a good looking band. Yes, I think we did. That was the thing. They called us chick magnets. That was yeah. the yeah. phrase, but that was um, fortunately people came together that, that um, the ladies liked and that was uh -huh. our main audience uh, yeah. initially. And then the guys would come because so many young ladies were there. Uh -huh. and that's how we would get you know, um, these huge crowds because of that. You know, yeah. kind of fed off of it. And, and you guys had both, um, you had, you had uh, uh, you know, people of color and Caucasians, you had something for everybody in that band. <laughs> um, so are there any stories that you, you, you want to share about those days with um, love? Well, that I don't know if I have any stories that I can tell at, at this point, but okay. you know, I'm putting these things in a book, so you know, uh -huh. um, yeah, I don't know if my stories would be uh, appropriate. Right okay. <laughs> but uh, they are going to be interesting and, you know, getting clearances because a lot of the people that, that uh, are involved are no longer here and you have to get permissions from their estates to tell stories about, you know, certain things that happen that, um, you know, uh, are not flattering to certain individuals, I suppose. Okay, when you were when you were trying to get your record deal, um, you said Capital was interested. Correct. Yeah. Did, who did you remember who you were dealing with at Capital? Well, the people from Beachwood Music they had a thing with Capital, okay. so it would have been Adam Ross and Jack Levy from Beachwood Music because we had before uh, we became Love Arthur and I had recorded with them, uh -huh. and uh, we had left and then talked to a guy named Buck Ram. He was the manager of the Platters, and. Uh, we had, you know, gone to school with Billy Preston. So with the first group we had was with Billy and Arthur wasn't in that group. So uh, people that uh, from that uh, gospel thing, uh, Jackie Goober was one of them and they were trying to cross over into uh, rock. So we had a lot of interest, but as I say, the people, none of the major companies except for Electra would allow us to own our masters and own the publishing. Which, because before I spoke to you today, um, I spoke to Artie Kornfeld. Mm -hmm. Artie was a vice president of a rock music at Capitol. And um, he's the guy who's put together Woodstock with uh, Michael Lang. And I'm a friend of Artie's. We were just talking to uh, kind of just, you know, catch up a bit. And I told him I was speaking to you today. And he just wanted me to send his regards and uh, tell you what a big fan he was of love. And you know, he thought it was, you know, but it was a great band, but yeah, um, I mean, such an iconic band that kind of flew right under the radar until mm -hmm. you guys brought it back to life. I think you guys are bigger now than you are. Yeah, absolutely, which is amazing. And, you know, we have a 
a younger audience, but most of our people are, you know, transitional, you know. But yeah. we have a younger audience and they know these songs and they know the words and, and it's just amazing. I love that so much just to sit there and watch while we're doing it and watch them singing along with us. Yeah. No. Now, I know you, this is a hard question, but some people thought that maybe Brian should have been the front man of that band. Do you have any feedback on that? Well, Brian was a, a genius at, at putting together songs, but the thing was, we had to rework a lot of Brian's songs because they just did not have the thing that, uh, that kind of commercialism that, you know, as commercial as we were, which wasn't very much. But to um, to be played on the radio or, or done on albums, Brian was mostly into like show tunes and um, chocolate colored rainbows and, and this kind of stuff. Like and the songs were very, very, very Pollyanna-ish. Pollyanna <laughs> anyway, uh, so it was kind of rough. I think it would have been if, if Brian was the front man. And I don't think Arthur would have stood for it. No, 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 no. Arthur was a great front man. Yeah. Um, but uh, they, they, these guys worked off each other, and that was cool because the thing is, if you listen to many of our songs, they talk about the relationship and the rivalry between Arthur and Brian. Like the song, A My Love, Be My Love, So Hard to Choose, or Stephanie Knows Who. They, they're talking about the same girl. They, they both wound up dating the same girls and, and uh, they were continually at loggerheads and it was sometimes friendly and sometimes not so friendly. Yeah, no, no, no good to come from dating the same girl. <laughs> but it was, it was something that helped, it worked. It, it, this rivalry worked with us and as long as, you know, uh, we could keep them from hurting each other, everything yeah. was fine. But, you know, sometimes it would get to blows with, between the two of them. That eventually Brian went into the non-secular music world. Correct, yeah. Uh, he became a born-again Christian, and he was doing Christian music. And um, we didn't talk a hell of a lot during that period because he was proselytizing an awful lot and trying to convert people that were unconvertible. And I'm one of those people that you cannot convert because, you know, I, I have my own ideas about that. Me too. For the most part, I'm yep. not there. And it's really funny, I mean, not, not funny, just real uh, interesting, how many of the um, artists that we kind of um, uh, nurtured with are getting into that field. Um, uh, but, uh, I spoke to Carmine Apice the other day mm -hmm. from the Vanilla Fudge. Uh -huh. He's getting into that um, uh, mainstream as well as, um, um got everybody the guys uh, the guys who are left from Badfinger and um rick derringer yeah and, yeah yeah and um i don't know it's just uh it's scary because um getting too involved in any one thing is you know once you become a fanatic it gets scary yeah and many of them have gone further to the right now i understand that because there's a tremendous amount of money to be made at playing at these yeah. CPACs and all of these conservative things because they seem to want to rub it in the faces of people on the left by hiring people like this to come. And, and basically they're tokens that are put out front and paid substantial amounts of money to play. And uh, I don't know if they have actually gone in that direction or they're doing it just strictly because of the finances involved. But, I know. Yeah. I know so many people that have done I know. That. Yep. And, um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of depressing because we were all, we kind of were all the same army at one time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and it just kind of fractured off into, you know, craziness on one side, craziness on the other side. And um, it's just a rotten world we live in now, which is damn, you know, it's kind of sad. So I thought by this time, uh, it, would, it would all be over. We'd all be hugging and kissing, and color wouldn't matter, and religion well, wouldn't matter. Something's going to have to happen to change it because we can't con do this forever because we will have a real, for real civil war. And yeah. our side, you know, my side will cannot win because we don't have the resources, the, the guns, and 
all of the things that these people seem to have, and they've been stockpiling them for decades. So, no, I know. Um, so when when Brian uh, left the band, was that because of his solo deal? He thought he was going to be doing solo work. It was that that was the thing. See, nobody knew about that. We didn't know that Jack Holtzman had worked out this arrangement with Brian in order to get him to come back and do perfect changes properly. So Brian sprung this on us. And it turns out that while we were working in the studio and touring, um, they had been working basically behind their backs. So when Brian pointed out that he just signed a solo deal with Electric, he wasn't leaving the group, but he wanted to do his own thing because we weren't really getting behind many of his songs. Um, it wasn't taken very well. And Arthur, even though Brian was signed with us and he couldn't, really fire him, he fired him, and Brian just accepted that. I mean, he could have protested, and, and of course, we would have voted and kept Brian in the group, because, you know, Kenny, myself, Arthur, and I, we own the franchise. And so if we wanted to, we could have overridden Arthur and said, no, we want to keep Brian. But no, we didn't. I was happy to see him go, frankly, because he, the, the doing forever changes was hard on us. And there were a lot of hard feelings that I don't think ever were mended. And so seeing Brian go wasn't, you know, a negative to me until he actually left. Right. And then we tried performing as love without Brian. And it just didn't sound the same. It didn't feel the same on stage. So it just didn't work. And uh, so we ended up going our separate ways, you know, permanently. But, uh, okay. I have one question and then I want to get into your studio work. Gary Rowles, did you work with Gary? Yes, yes. He had played that this was with Arthur's um, incarnations of, you know, when it was Arthur Lee and Love is entirely different than yeah. the group Love. So uh, okay. Gary worked with him. And Gary, uh, uh, that's the same Gary that wound up in the um, Flow and 80 band. Yeah, yeah, he played with, with uh, with Mark and Howard, and yeah, okay, and um, yeah, he he actually had issues too. Um, he was he had deep depression, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He okay. But anyway, we we won't get into his story, but we didn't end up wasn't a good ending. So you 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 went back to New York, not went back to New York, not a New Yorker, but you wound up in New York, and you're in the studio with guys like Miles. Correct. Well, actually, Miles was just a personal friend. So when he was on his hiatus, I hung out with him and and because uh, he wanted to be a rock star more than anything, which was yeah. weird. I loved him for his jazz, old school jazz, but he wanted to to go in another direction. So um, I hung with him then and we were working on a project that never came to fruition. In Washington Square, there would be these drum circles, you know, people beating on trash can lids or whatever, and just making that sound. And Miles wanted to bring those guys into the studio and actually play with it. But these were untrained musicians that are just basically just playing, and they didn't understand that you have to leave room for a soloist and room for Miles to play, which they didn't. And it was felt that if we tried to train them to leave room and to actually be trained musicians, then it would defeat the whole purpose. So it just never came to fruition. But a couple of times we went to Washington Square and just stood there and played it with all these guys, just you know, people that are just wandering around making noise. And, and it, you know, it was sort of interesting, but it was, you know, I could see that it couldn't go anywhere. So who, who um, what other studio work did you do? Who, who were you involved with? Oh gosh, I did mostly the studio work we were doing, the, uh, especially the last few years was for Japanese radio. This oh. was the best gig I ever had. We're playing just blues. All they wanted was a blues, stream of consciousness blues all day. So every day we went into the studio and worked four or five hours and we just did countless just uh, jams basically and they would use them for lead-ins for radio shows there and commercials so um there are many many of them if you go to japan you probably will hear us on some radio program or some uh of their advertisements for something 
remember any of the guys you played with who was, who was in, in the bands with you? This would have been, oh gosh, the, the, the people that I played with, basically, they were not okay. well-known people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, old, old, studio music. The old studio cat. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because, um, um, well, what, what years were that? What, what, what this would have been around between 74 and 79, and I'd left and um, moved to Sedona and then um, moved back to Los Angeles. So it would have been between 73, 74, and 79. That was still early in, the, in your career. Yeah, it was still early, but I had to get away from Los Angeles because sure. I, you know things were getting dark for me and I needed yeah. to get away. So. And you, um, you, 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 I know you went through issues and you put yourself together and um, I mean, it's a great, great story. Your, your, your life would make a great movie. Well, I don't know that. It's been interesting anyway. Uh, you know, I've had uh, some ups and a few downs, but, you know, I, I've enjoyed my life and I would trade places with anyone. Good. You know, being able to make a living and a, a very good living playing music is just, you know, a blessing in itself. I'm using blessing in the non-religious term just it's been the universe has just bestowed us with a gift and, and that gift was to be able to uh, live my life the way I wanted to and to live well playing music great and um so we um we, we know where you came from we know where you're going and um is there any party words you like to tell people if um just uh, any words of wisdom that, that musicians uh, could live by. The, well, if there's any wisdom, it's that we need to try and figure out a way to get along with each other because we are at a point and it, it, it's so polarized in this country now that people that were friends now because of, of some political... Now, I have friends that I've known for decades that I can't talk to anymore. And it's sad and it doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense because when you listen to the reasoning behind the, this kind of the dissension that we're having, it's nonsense, you know. They're talking about one group of people uh, being lizard people and living off the blood of babies and this kind of crazy nonsense. But you would think this is absurd. Why would anybody believe this? And these are people that I hung with, people that can tie their shoes and, you know, and, and have relationships. And they yep. believe yep. this madness. I know you say to yourself, are these, how do these guys breathe? Are they smart yeah. enough to breathe? It's um, just it's astonishing that we've come, come to this place. And yep. it's frightening. And I don't see how there's going to be a way out of it unless a meteor or something from outer space comes and devastates this planet or hits us or something. We're going to need. I, know, I, I know. thought COVID would do it, but COVID isn't doing it. It's no. just polarizing us even more. Yep. So something has to bring us together, or we are doomed as a country. Unit. You know, yeah. maybe and, just split up into provinces. And we came from that generation that was fixing all this. Yeah, well, it's obviously we're doing a fist for job because yeah. we know we're going in the wrong direction. Yes, we are. Um, we, we really are. I know it's the same thing. I have people I can't talk to anymore and uh, family members. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you, and you can understand, I mean, um, these older Caucasian guys worried that they're losing, you know, their power, their grip mm -hmm. on society. But how about um, uh, people of color who follow that whole right wing thing or, 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 or Jewish people who follow the whole right wing thing? You, we're the targets. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I cannot understand it and I can't figure it out. As you mentioned, I can understand because the demographics in this nation yeah. are changing. And yeah. at some point, the majority population will no longer be the majority population. And it's not easiest to give up no. power and to give up, and they call it the, the privileges and perks and all of that that a specific group has had, but that is real. You know, uh, yep. I remember this was just a short story. My wife and I were living in Chicago before we got married, and there was this really neat apartment in London. And I went in to get the apartment, and the man said, No, 
no, it's not uh, for rent. And I'm like, what the hell? And it, I let my wife go in, and of course it was for rent, and she was able to rent the place that soon. So you think of the stuff that happened back then, and it's still happening, only it's getting worse, and it's getting more out front. So, um, that's, that's funny. It's, I, I, I lived in Chicago in 1975 uh, and 76. I got married when I was living in Chicago. And um, I remember when they found out we were Jewish, um, some of the people asked us if they could see our tails. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this was in the mid 70s. This wasn't in, you know, this wasn't in 1812, yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, it, it's scary because, um, you know. It's just nothing. normal, you think, regular people that, as I said, can have relationships, tie their shoes, hold down a job. But they also believe this nonsense. Yeah. And why? Where is it? If you've got a brain, any brain cells, it would tell you that most of this crap is just from some fools that's sitting around making stuff up in the internet. I think I blame the internet for everything because I used I know. to make a hell of a lot more money. I know. I know. You could just download our stuff for free. I know. So, I know. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful tool. But it's also a curse. People want to use the internet for porn and leave everything else <laughs> out of it. <laughs> um, so we we have some friends. Uh, we have, we have some of the same friends. I know Robbie and um, uh, John Altman. Mm -hmm. Oh but, yeah, he's a good buddy. But we yeah. often see each other. Yeah. So how do you? Um, John had told me he was going to hook you up with me a year ago, and um, for some reason it, it, it never happened. I I speak to John often. Uh -huh. And uh, this when I, I got off my butt and said, I'm going to find Johnny on my own, heck with it. And um, I'm glad I did. But um, John's an incredible guy, isn't he? Yes, he is. A wonderful musician. He's got some really cool stories. Yeah. John knows damn near everybody. It's he so knows weird. everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, can, you know, you, 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 you can just pull a, hat, pull a name out of a hat and John will tell you uh, um, uh, um, he'll tell you a story about anybody. John will tell you a story about anybody. He, um, you know, going back to Peter Green and Jimi Hendrix to Amy yeah. Winehouse. Uh, so how how do you meet John? How do you how are you involved with him? Well, it's a friend of ours, Warwick Rose. He's passed on. He would have these incredible parties where he'd invite every. These were all musicians, and he'd invite invite these. He had a mansion up in um, a Bell Canyon in, in uh -huh. uh, Los Angeles area. And he'd invite all these musicians, and we were just disparate guys. You know, he'd have maybe a rapper, and then he'd have someone that that played bluegrass music and a jazz musician, and he put us all together, and uh, we play. And that's how I met John, just playing at at Warwick's gigs, and uh, we started to come into each other's shows. And I would go and see John whenever he was here. I mean, he'd come when we were in Inglewood or in Brighton. It's where he lives. He'd come and sit in with us. And um, so we just became good friends just playing music together. What a great you know, guy. I saw his resume and I was just, you know, floored by all the people he's played with. Uh, it's scary. I know. And he's so humble. Yeah. You know, he's so humble. It's like you would think he's just a guy down the block. But, you know, then, then you say to him, uh, yeah, I'm thinking of maybe putting on a Van Morrison album. Oh, I arranged that album. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> um, you, know, you know what? I think I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna listen to the Ruggles. Oh, I arranged that album. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go yeah, see the movie. Cool. I'm gonna go see the movie Titanic. Oh, I did the music for that. Yeah, one. I did the music. That's why you love him so much because he's unpretentious and he's just matter of factly reads yeah. off this just, just world class resume. Fly on the wall podcast presented by Not Your Mother's Radio is listener funded. If you would be kind enough to assist, our PayPal info is. Not your mother's radio at gmail.com. That's not your mother's radio at gmail.com. Any contributions would be appreciated and will, of course, help us keep the show running. And um, I'd, I'd like to thank you for spending the time with me today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. And, 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 and I hope I knew more than the last guy you spoke to. Oh man, <laughs> we won't go there. Okay, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been a fan for you know, I, I've been a lover of love for you know a while, and um, I hate to say it for a long time because it makes me feel old, but um, I kind of grew up with your records, and 
I want to thank you for uh, putting them out and for being involved in one of the greatest rock bands of all time. And well, thank I hope you so uh, much. And I hope to see you in New, and I hope you get to New Mexico. If not, I'm going to come to LA and, and see you in LA. You got to oh, let me know when you're playing. Oh, let me know and we'll find a spot for you. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, my friends, stay safe and stay well, and I'll let you know when we do our next show, and I'll let John know I spoke to you, and um, please, please, please stay safe out there. Absolutely. You too. We'll speak soon. Okay, my friend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.